0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church. My name is Grant. I'm Leslie. And we're here to get the service started for you this morning.
1: We are. If you checked us out last week on Easter Sunday, welcome back.
0: Yeah, or if this morning is one of the first times you're here, hey, special welcome to you. We're glad you're here.
1: We are. We would love to get you get to know you better. Um, so if you could give us an email at hello at cedarvalley.ca, we would love to connect. You can also drop a comment on Facebook or YouTube.
0: Yeah, a bit of interaction, right? Because we see some data but just numbers Mm -hmm. we don't know if you're out there so let us know you're out there say hi and one of the best ways to just stay connected stay informed about all the stuff going on in our church community here in our community around us devotional Mm posts announcements calendar stuff whatever just updates in general follow us on facebook Mm -hmm. or instagram subscribe to our youtube channel or head over to our website cedarvalley.ca and sign up for our weekly email newsletter we send those out on fridays
1: yeah and if you've been impacted by any of these th- any of these things that you've seen, we would love it if you'd share it. Share it with your friends, your family. We'd love to get to know. To, we would love to get to know more people.
0: Totally. And if you joined us in our pre-service countdown just uh, before the service started here, you saw some slides, some videos mm-hmm. about our amazing Good Friday drive-through mm-hmm. service we had last week. Huge blast, super fun, and hopefully you had a chance to come out and be impacted by that. Just a time of contemplation and reflection, and worship and communion with us.
1: If you actually missed that communion we would love to still have that um, be a part of your easter Um, so definitely let us know you can contact one of the pastors and we would love to come out and just have the lord's supper with you together
0: yeah maybe you've been like you were allowed to have visitors over but you had no way of getting out here Mm -hmm. too we don't want you to miss out on that kind of stuff right so whatever we can do our pastoral team would love to just reach out and connect with you in that way and yeah i think what else is going on here
1: well, we also sent out some of those Easter kits last week, mm, um, and okay. we encouraged everybody to just connect with people. Whether that was knocking on your neighbor's door, um, whether that was giving things to your friends or something like that, we yeah. want to know um, what you did. We yeah, want to know pasca. we did. We made some Pasca. We dropped it off at our neighbor's house. I don't know if they'd ever had Pasca or no. Seen they're like, it. <laughs> what's this
0: thing? It's like ah, German bread. It's like cake bread. Yeah, this kind of real good. Oh, what's that about? You get cool conversations happen out of that, right?
1: Totally. So we yeah. want to hear about that. What did you do, and how did that go?
0: Yeah, we already heard a few stories mm-hmm. about that that have been really sweet just to hear how that has happened and, and we want to just spread that hope mm-hmm. and encouragement to all of you right so yep. if you have any of those kind of stories let us know yeah uh, share them with us if we have the permission to kind of spread that out forward really cool stuff
1: yeah it'd be yeah. awesome
0: well let's get the service started off with a time of prayer so join me in that dear Heavenly Father thank you so much for the amazing weekend we had last weekend to celebrate what what this is all about, mm-hmm. God, that mm-hmm. you sent your son Jesus here to live with us among us, God, that you were present walking among, uh, among us, interacting with us, and you paid the ultimate price, God. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we put you there in our human sin. That's what it was, but you took that burden, God. You lovingly died for us uh, to bring us salvation, that we could be closer to you. It's a bizarre thing, God, and I just pray if anyone is even confused by that statement, when I'm praying that out to you, that you just give them the courage to reach out, and we'd love to have that conversation with them. But God, thank you for that, that Easter is a time to celebrate that you rose from the dead, that you conquered all of this. So we just want you to bless this service, uh, bless this time as we're just worshiping together, learning, uh, engaging, dialoguing together uh, about you, about how this thing that you've done for us applies to our lives going here from the service outwards and just that any uh, anything that's been given towards the efforts of this church cedar valley uh, you multiply it god that you bless the offering that's been given up freely and you just bring your kingdom here in the city of mission so we pray all these things in your name amen
1: amen all right we are going to get the service started off with a time of worship
0: And after that, we've got a special lesson for the kids with Pastor Doug. Mm -hmm. And we also try to get out interactive materials uh, weekly just to help you parents engage with your kids with faith stuff at home activities, dialogue, conversations. And if you want to get those materials, just send Doug an email Doug douglas at cedarvalley.ca and we'll make sure you're on that list.
1: Awesome. Um, Following that, we are back in the Gospel of John. Mm -hmm. And we are so excited. Pastor Rob is going to be taking us through chapter 12. Mm -hmm. And so um, we are going through the Gospel of John as a church. So each week there's a new chapter that we're reading and we would love it if you would read along with us so that you're prepped for the sermons. Um, and yeah, we're excited to get the service going.
0: Totally. And it's been really nice weather lately. Hey, mm-hmm. even last weekend on Easter was great. Yep. Uh, actually today's Friday, but I don't know, we'll <laughs> see what it's like today on Sunday yes. in the future. But with spring kind of comes that excitement to want to do some like new products, new mm-hmm. activities, right? Get outside, mm-hmm. play some games. And I know last year we started a lot of this stuff when we kind of entered Lockdowns, some of us for the first times in our lives, like, man, maybe I should learn a hobby or a skill. So here's the question for you What's something super cool you've made kind of for the first time ever? Maybe it's just a fun craft with your kids that you explored, or maybe it's like something huge, like you built a shed, or I built a shed. <laughs> But uh, what, did, what did you do? What was your fun craft that you did this last year?
1: Well, I jumped on the sourdough train uh-huh. and baked a ton of bread.
0: Right, because yeast was like gone, right? So it's like, yes. oh, let's make our own yeast. Sweet. Awesome. Head over to the comment section of Facebook, YouTube, Cedar Valley. We're in for a great morning. Let us know in answer to that question. What kind of things have you made this past year and we're in for a great morning.
2: Hey Cedar Valley kids, it is great to see you again. You know, we have just come through Easter and what an amazing time we had, all because of Jesus. His love for us, he died, took our sins, went into the grave, but then he rose again and we get to live. But you know what, the amazing continues because he says some really cool things in John chapter 12. Listen to this when he was talking to some people. This is very interesting. He said, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Wow, one little kernel. Now, maybe you can see right here, and I'm going to hold it up here, and just in my hand, one little kernel of wheat. It's not very big. But do you know if this little kernel gets put into the ground and basically it dies, but then it will come to life again? And you know, we don't have many wheat fields around here, but check out what it becomes. Ah, these amazing stalks with kernels just bursting out and then a whole wheat field that goes for miles and miles you know we used to live out in saskatchewan in the wheat field prairie and so we saw these all the time and so we saw how one little kernel goes into stocks and a huge wheat field it produces so many more kernels than just this one but if it just stayed here in my hand it wouldn't produce all of those amazing other plants and kernels to make food. Well I was thinking we don't have a lot of wheat fields around here but I know that you guys all like to eat fruit and I've got something here I have a little orange plant that's right and a basket of oranges now if you were to take one of these oranges and if you were to cut it open and right inside You would probably find an orange seed. And if you were to take it, just one orange, which is good if you just ate it all. and If you threw the seed away, well, that's all you would have to eat. But if you were to take this orange seed, and you put it in a pot just like this, stick the seed in there, it would grow. And that's exactly what we've done. This was from an orange seed, and it's a little orange tree. And now we're hoping this is going to grow big, and we will get to pick lots of oranges and have a great big basket full. Now, this obviously came from a tree, which came from a seed that somebody planted. Now, look at all the oranges that we get to enjoy. Jesus, when he was talking about the kernel of wheat or like an orange seed, he was saying, I have to die. But when I die and I'm buried, and then I raise up again to new life, so many people get to have life because of that. That's the way God designed things. He also did it with so many different types of food. From one little seed, so many good things come when it's planted. Now, there's another thing in our lives too, did you know? That it says that if we die to ourselves, now that's kind of weird. Because Jesus wants us to live. But do you know what dying to ourself means? Just like a seed dies and produces more. It means that I don't do the things that sometimes I want to that aren't good. So if dying to myself, if I have an orange and I want to eat it all myself and somebody comes up. Dying to myself means I'm not going to be selfish and keep it all to myself. I'm going to give part of it to my brother or sister, or to my friend, or maybe to somebody who needs food that I don't even know. Or dying to myself means so more good things can be produced. If I'm angry with somebody, and instead of saying mean or hurtful words, I say, that's okay. And I say nice words and encouraging words to make them feel better. Then good things happen when I don't do the bad things. That's like dying to myself, the things that are bad about me, but the good things in Jesus that God gives me, it produces just like a whole bowl of fruit, just like a whole field of wheat from this one little thing. That's the way God made it. That's the way God made us. So, next time, maybe if you're eating a piece of fruit or munching on a piece of bread from the wheat kernel or from the orange seed, And look how much it produces. Think about all the good you can produce. When you die to yourself, you don't do the things that maybe you want to do that aren't good, but you do the good things that Jesus wants you to do. You have a harvest of love all around you. Thanks for listening so well. We'll see you next week.
3: Hey, thanks Pastor Doug. Yeah, wow. How, how cool. How how cool is it that a seed is buried in the ground and then it like provides way more seeds, more life. Like Jesus dying for our sakes to to give us life. <clears throat> Jesus is risen just as he brought his friend Lazarus back to life. This is where we left things off when we remembered the death and burial of Jesus at our Good Friday drive through communion service. I'm going to give this back to you, okay, because I don't know what to do with it now. <laughs> nice catch. And when we celebrated online last weekend the triumph of his resurrection on Easter, When our kids walked us through that story. That was so good. Well done, kids. When we, all three pastors, uh, talked about the empty tomb from different vantage points in the story. And when we closed in worship from Griner Hill, this is sort of like a little ode to the sunrise service that we didn't have, but it sure felt like we had a portion of it. And this is where we left off the week before last weekend in our series the one and only the one and only the one and only behind me which is our study of the gospel of john jesus had raised lazarus from the dead now let's remind ourselves of how and why john wrote uh his gospel john's gospel comes later than the other three matthew mark and luke he assumes his readers are familiar with that content. So he, he didn't write another chronological biography of Jesus Christ, like they did. His, his main concern is to confront his reader with the person of Jesus Christ, to give the reader a reason to believe in him, to push the reader to make a decision about Jesus. And he, he says it, actually, in, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, which you may remember is exactly how we started this whole series, which we're about halfway through at this point. Heading into June, we'll finish it off. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he says, does John, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written, hold on to that phrase for a second, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that you would believe it. He's the son of God, God himself. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. These are written. So to jog your memory, the ones that were written down so far, verses all through chapters 1 through 11, the word became flesh. In other words, God came to us as one of us. And then here are the signs. Jesus changed water into wine at a wedding feast. Very handy. He cleared the temple of the religious hypocrites. He taught the teachers. He was the first feminist. With a word, he healed the royal officials' sick son. He healed the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda. He fed more than 5,000 people on a hill with five loaves of bread and two fish. He walked on water. He forgave the adulterer. He healed a man born blind. And then The sign of all signs, the mother lord of all signs, if you will, he brought his friend Lazarus back from the dead. That event in John chapter 11 is the hinge point of his gospel, as if he is saying, hey, like, seriously, what more evidence do you need to believe that Jesus is God in the flesh? Come to this world to show us God's love, to save us from our sin to set up his kingdom of love and forgiveness and to shut down religion. What more evidence would we need? So turn with me to John chapter 12, verses one through eight. John chapter 12 records the last of Jesus' public teaching, prior to his crucifixion. Here's uh, what leads up to that point, to the crowd uh, in in John chapter 12, hailed him as conquering king. Jesus, though, predicted his death, which to the crowd was kind of a mixed message, like, how can you be our king if you're going to, like, immediately die? Which was a fair question, actually, if you thought Jesus was going to conquer the Roman empire that occupied your land. But it's a question that missed the point. If Jesus came to earth to do so much more, like conquer sin and death for everyone, which he did, John closes out chapter 12 with a summary of his ministry, Jesus' ministry, that is. That, and it's like this, that those who reject Jesus, those who reject him, reject God and are then judged by the things Jesus said about who he is and why he came. Chapters 13 through 17 are private instructions for his disciples in the hours before Jesus' arrest. Then comes, of course, a record of his arrest, his sentencing, his death, and resurrection. So to borrow from the language of our time, chapter 12 is a pivot from the signs of Jesus' deity to the work of his deity. So, all of that, prologamina, all the lead up to verses 1 through 8. Six days, verses 1 and 2. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, A dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. So we might ask and we should ask probably given the context of the time what was he doing there? The religious leaders were trying to kill him and Lazarus for that matter. They had effectively made Jesus an outlaw and then what was he doing there in Bethany on the outskirts of Jerusalem? Jesus wasn't just there because he was an observant Jew, come to Jerusalem to remember the famous story of God rescuing Israel out of Egypt. He was there to die, just as he predicted. (laughs) So, can you imagine the courage that would take? When was the last time you went to something knowing you'd die? Which is a quick trick question, because you'd only be able to answer that if you didn't go to that something. Jesus went to Jerusalem to die. I have a tough time going into tough meetings. I have a tough time having tough conversations. I have a tough time writing sermons, but I have never felt like my life was at risk in any meeting, nor have I ever thought someone might kill me in a tough conversation, nor have I ever felt like I would die preparing a well, maybe. No, not no. Jesus went to Jerusalem to die. But he went to Bethany first, no doubt because that's where his friends were on the outskirts of Jerusalem, as I said, and no doubt because Jerusalem would have been packed with people, making it probably impossible for him to stay there anyway. Martha made him a meal. Lazarus was sitting with them. Verse 3, they then Mary took about a pint of nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his he- feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, which is what's pictured behind me on our graffiti wall. You might not be able to make it out really clear because the gray is faint, but there's this pouring out of love. And that's why the hearts are there. And that's why the sermon is titled Love Poured Out. Seems kind of weird though, right? Like, why would Mary crack open a very expensive container of perfume and pour it on Jesus' feet? Not even his neck, which is, I think, where we would think it would be appropriate. And then wipe his feet with her hair. Here's why. In short, Mary adored Jesus. Mary adored Jesus, flat out. Mary took the most precious thing she owned and spent it all on Jesus. That was the measure. I love how William Barclay interprets this display of Mary's affection. He says, love is not love if it nicely calculates the cost i'll love my friends or or spouse or kids as much as they love me i'll share what i have after i've made sure i have what i want i will give myself to jesus but i won't give them all seriously this of course is not love right it's certainly not the kind of love that mary shows here mary's love for jesus is like the love O. Henry, not the chocolate bar, but the American short story writer, wrote about in his story, The Gift of the Magi. It goes like this, and it may sound vaguely familiar. Della and Jim were young and married and poor, but very much in love. Um, each of them had one unique possession. Della's hair was her glory. Jim had a precious watch from his father. It was the day before Christmas. Della had too little money to buy Jim his present, so she sold her hair and bought Jim a platinum fob for his watch. Jim stopped short when he got home because he had sold his watch to buy Della a set of expensive tortoise shell combs with jeweled edges for her gorgeous hair. Each of them had given the other all they had to give because real love cannot think of any other way to give. God has given us all he had to give in giving himself, his son, his spirit, because real love cannot think of any other way to give. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Can I get an amen in your chat bar, out loud, at home, wherever you're viewing? I remember when I first came to faith in Jesus. I was in my 20s. I'd, I'd been wrestling with this understanding that I had to be a good person. I had to do good things to earn God's affection, to get to heaven, to be with him. I was surprised to learn that I couldn't. I was surprised to learn that it was God's grace, his undeserving love, his endless love, his love without condition that heals me and saves me through faith in Jesus Christ. And this, not for myself, but a gift from God, not by works, not by doing good things, or being a good guy so that no one can boast, so that no one can say, God loves me because I'm, I'm pretty good. And I've done lots of good things. And it's not just about the quality of the things I did. It's the quantity of the things I did. It's both I'm awesome. Can you imagine that scene in heaven? God loves me. God loves us because he can't help himself. This made God, for me, irresistibly lovable. It warmed me, and, and then I warmed to Him. I remember that, that first love, like when Jackie and I were young and married and poor, and, and I pray that I won't forget my first love of Jesus, that my relationship with Him would deepen over time, just as I pray that very same thing for my marriage. Mary took the most precious thing she owned and she spent it all on Jesus' love poured out on his feet? Because why Why his feet? Okay, so to clean them, maybe, uh, remember, it was all dirt and sandals in the day of Jesus, right? And it was common practice to wash one's feet or have a servant of the home wash one's feet before entering that home or, and certainly before sitting down for a meal. Uh, maybe it was to anoint Jesus for his burial, which Jesus will shortly imply. The text doesn't say that, though. Uh, So uh, that said, Mary might have been paying closer attention to what Jesus has said about his impending death than the other disciples, so maybe? I I think um, that this was just another layer of her love poured out, and it would be in this way an act of humility, I suspect that Mary would never have dreamed that she would be good enough to look Jesus straight in the eye like she was some kind of equal, much less think of herself as better, higher than him in station to confer honor on him by anointing his head with oil like would have been the custom of her people. Now I. I suspect that Mary, like me, mindful of her sin, was looking down like this, humbled and grateful, wiping his feet with her hair. And then Mary Jo, Mary Jo, maybe her friends call her that, Mary showed Jesus unselfconscious love. In Palestine, a respectable woman would never appear in public with her hair unbound. That was actually a sign of an immoral woman. But it it didn't matter to Mary. Mary was all in. She didn't care what others thought. She only cared about what Jesus thought and about loving him, how she could, when she could, with all she could and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume like no doubt that was a lot of perfume but maybe there's something more implied here and Jesus actually seems to say so in Mark's version of the same story in Mark chapter 14 verses 3 through 9 Mark says in that portion, that at the end of it, that wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she, Mary, has done, will also be told in memory of her. And here we are, telling it, remembering her, and how that fragrance, metaphorically, has spread through history. And that spread is how to love like Mary did. Judas was like an entirely different story. Now reading from verses 4 through 6. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. What a contrast to Mary. Mary gave all she had. Um, Judas took what wasn't his. Mary humbled herself before Jesus. Judas called Jesus out. Mary showed unselfconscious love. Judas betrayed the love and trust of Jesus. Well, Jesus would have none of it. He says in verses 7 and 8, Leave her alone, he replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now, before we go thinking that Jesus is all down on the poor, let's take a closer look. The Bible record actually is painfully clear time and again It says that God is for the poor then therefore Jesus is for the poor because he is God not against the poor so text to text to text from helping the poor among you in Leviticus 25 to upholding the cause of the poor in Psalm 82 to being kind to those in need in Proverbs chapter 14 to whatever we do to the least of these in Matthew chapter 25 to serving those who cannot repay you in Luke chapter 14 to not discriminating against The poor in James chapter 2. Jesus was not saying, Don't care for the poor. So if he wasn't saying that, what was he saying? I think he was just stating a fact actually that not all opportunities are equal and some of them don't repeat. Think about it in the light of the context. Jesus went to Jerusalem to die, right? There was only so much time then for someone like Mary to show her devotion to Jesus before he would die, before his crucifixion, whereas there would be time after Jesus' death and before, to care for the poor. So there it is. Mary adored Jesus. She took the most pres- the most precious thing. She owned and spent it all on Jesus. She offered it to him with humility and gratefulness. And she showed her love without being self-conscious. So leading into the questions that Grant and I will process together with you and you will process on your own or with others, I'll ask these questions. Can we love Jesus this way too? In the model of Mary, in the fragrance that that represents. And can we love others this way? Let's pray. Father, thank you that this story has lived throughout history as this example of someone who's just all in, in her worship of you. I I suspect we would all like to be like this. And, And here's the truth. Mary wasn't like this all the time, every day. But in that moment, she was. I would hope and pray that my life would be, um, would look more and more like that. And thank you for the grace that I need when it doesn't look like that, when I forget about you, where I I doubt, or where I'm anxious, But thanks for all those times that when I've turned to you and I've just said, I can't do anything. I give everything to you. I'm gonna give you the best of what I have. I'll give you my life. I will trust you with my marriage. I will trust you with my children. I will trust you with my workplace. I will, I will trust you. That you consistently and always prove faithful Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Peace, Cedar Valley.
0: All right, well, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's been a good morning. It's been a great, it's been nice to get back into Gospel of John too, and that we've been going through this one chapter a week. And hopefully you're reading along, you're engaging along in Uh, Because there's so much in the chapter, right? Like you took on one chunk of the story. If you go through the chapter, you're like, oh, but then there's this sermon and then this sermon underneath. And Pastor Doug covered a a completely different portion. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And all fantastic. All all ways that Jesus reveals himself to us, to the disciples, that we see the person of God, the one and only, that he's unlike anything else. What I've heard it was that, especially the Gospel of John, is just trying to show that Jesus was... What Adam was meant to be and couldn't do, God intended for mankind to be, and so God, present as Jesus came in. Yeah, big I've theology. Heard other
3: commentators describe Jesus as Adam
0: 2.0. Yeah, yeah, right. Did it right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fantastic. So we want this to be something that you don't just listen to and think that's good enough because it actually needs to be kind of chewed on and wrestled yeah. with and applied to our lives yeah. like immediately right now and yeah. tomorrow and throughout the week and in the learning next months.
3: Learning always implies application. Yeah. Always. If you're just sitting there listening, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Try to
0: apply it. That's,
3: yeah. That's learning.
0: Absolutely. So we have some discussion questions yeah. for wow. you. We've got an essay. Here. Yeah,
3: so I was <laughs> trying to in both of these questions they're extraordinarily long. I was trying to give it some context. So let's read it together. Let yourself dwell on God's love for you, embodied in Jesus for a second. Just Dwell on that, what he accomplished, what he did, just coming out of Easter particularly. Let it warm you, as I spoke about earlier in my own experience. So with this in mind, with you there in that space, what is something that you can give to God? And so I'm giving you some examples to sort of spark your imagination, but would it be your availability? Some time for a neighbor, for instance, your giftedness, serving in the church, your wallet, which is to say your money. Who could you help or support? is like, there somebody in mind, right? What stuff could you share or give away to those people that might be in your mind? So hmm. it's a lot, right? Yeah. Where, where does your head go? in this series of questions
0: well as as you're reading that out i'm really thinking just what's been on my mind and on my heart for this pandemic this COVID season we're in how it's affected us socially and i think like some time for a neighbor and i mean that i I think that's something that applies to our life like as a challenge pre covid and everything that too but some time for a neighbor, a coworker, friend, somebody slightly detached from you. Because I, I think I have found for myself this pandemic. What it's done is, it's easy to stay connected to a very small percentage of very close friends or family in our life, and people who are a bit more on the fringe or haven't connected with as regularly have fallen away. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's every excuse in the book now of right. like, because you've oh, got to have yeah, a small group. You got to have a small safe. group be a yes. hundred feet away from each other and wear this mask and shield <laughs> feels and like an exaggeration yeah i know it is but it, <laughs> we can use and and i'm finding for myself and it's quick and i've heard the dialogue a lot is just blaming using excuse to not meet And so that actually is a bit of a yes. sacrificial thing to put opinions away preferences away Sometimes, you know, for me, man up a little bit and do whatever it takes to and actually stay safe, stay safe. doing it. So, well, totally stay safe, yeah. and that's what I mean yeah. is like kind of just take on whatever it takes to be safe, yes. but actually yes. reach out to meet with somebody, go for a walk. If it's yes. pouring rain, buy an umbrella for five bucks, right? And, yeah. and make that kind of time because it's huge. Like, we've had some friends go through really hard times, it's been a year, and everyone's experiencing different highs and lows and then yeah. to be present with them immediately yes. has a bigger yes. impact now i think more than ever yes to actually have some outdoors which is all good to do yep. but face-to-face time yeah so you've
3: triggered something for me uh which is about presence right um and i think we can tell ourselves that we have these planned and scheduled lives we got things right, we yeah. got to get done and we don't leave any real space to just be present
0: yeah or be willing to drop something
3: or be willing to drop something, yeah. yeah. So the other the other night, I was putting the garbage out at the end of my lane, and a, and a friend tore by, very much what you're saying, right? Safely, she was in her car with her daughter, and we we're chatting from a distance, and it was like, I, I gotta go in because it was pouring, Yeah, yeah. right? And I, I didn't have my umbrella in my pocket. Yeah. So th- just to be present in that might be the kind of thing that you can, your availability of time to listen well right i think as pete scazzaro said or quoting someone else who said uh, that someone who's listened to well it's so rare that it's easily confused for being loved well (laughs) yeah 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 right for sure all right we should get this question two, right okay let's go question two because it's also a second essay yeah second essay how are you self-conscious about your faith? So that might be the question. Do you talk about it with others? Do you share your stories of God's love and provision in your life? Do you challenge others to consider Jesus? Like, what do you make of this guy? What did he did, and what he claims to be actually, and what would it take for you to be less self-conscious hmm. about your faith and your love of Jesus? Like Mary was super unself-conscious, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, well, you know, I, I was doing a devotional this week Okay, that started, it hit me with this part right here because that absolutely there's a lot of times I'm self-conscious about my faith because I think, hmm, I could bring this out. I believe in it is true, but that might make them all stop talking to me. Or, uh, you know, I used to be able to say that would make my coworkers not like me, but if I pretend I don't have faith in my new job, well, this job here, <laughs> It doesn't work out, but on the construction (laughs) site, stuff like that, right? Like that might ostracize you. So is that worth it?
3: Yeah, yeah, because you got to work with them every day, right?
0: And I started to hear, or in this devotional, I heard that where our world is at, its secularization of the Western world, isn't because religion is faith, Christianity is no longer applicable or valid, but it's because this faith the lessons of the bible the gospel is not actually abrasive enough to everyday life anymore we've actually Hmm. tried to make it so normal and easy and it's just hand-holding and doesn't actually affect or change stuff in our life so i love that you put this here do you share stories of god's love and provision for your life or just even sharing stories of, like, why did you make that decision? Why did you sacrifice this that the rest of the world was like, Lots what of, a. I love that. If, if something was maybe a dumb decision in your life, yeah, like, why did yeah, you do that? Well, because yeah. God actually challenged me yeah. to live this way. And and here's how he came through for so me. So it might look dumb to other people. Yeah. And you're explaining it well. Yeah. This is what faith requires sometimes. Yeah. 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 yeah it has to almost start shaking up what seems normal in the world for it to start having some relevance again. Yeah. 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 yeah.
3: So this week, actually, in a transition team meeting, we talked about story sharing quite a bit, Hmm. and we shared quite a few stories. And uh, one of the things we talked about was uh, that you can't argue a story like, oh, that story didn't happen to you. (laughs) You might argue your conviction that it was a story that relates to God. But I think one of the things that, particularly if you see yourself as a a person who doesn't want to talk about himself or herself, our stories about God are, are just that. They're, they're stories about what He's done. So I, I shared one that night that I won't share in totally here, but the, some of it would be that, and I shared it in my post this week, um, that the story of God would be for me that He spoke to me through someone that uh, was a real encouragement to me, and I, I, I needed it. And maybe I didn't even ask God for it in prayer, but He knew I needed it and saw me and gave it to me. That's a story about a God who sees us, right? Mm-hmm. Not about me. I needed to, it's a story about him. And that's, I think if we share those stories, I, I think that
0: warms people to this yeah. Jesus that Mary adored. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Cedar Valley, continue this discussion. There's going to be some time after this. We'll post them up on, this, on the feed. Yeah. Uh, enter your thoughts into the comments. We'll be there to dialogue or shoot us a message, email. Yeah. If you kind of want to dialogue with other pastors, we'd love to get in touch with you. Totally. And, also more than ever, I, I know before the fall last year, there's some small groups starting to form. Some people were meeting uh, and we can do that outdoors now or even just do a Zoom call, whatever it is, but start yeah. joining in, dialoguing with each other as well. not just, you know, whoever's across the, on the couch with you. Uh, get some friends going. You can meet up to 10 outdoors. Uh, if you need to borrow a ten, well, we got some We tents. got tents. You can borrow. Whatever it is. Yeah, but let's let's get that together. We just said even the first one, that presence connection is yeah. huge. So. Thanks for joining us again, have a great week.